you take God's word for our scripture reading and go with me to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, a very familiar passage of Scripture, beginning in verse 1. The Word of God reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate and the Lord have removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet... And it shall be a tent, and it shall return, and it shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. And we look forward to what God is going to say through his holy word to our hearts. Take God's word with me, please, and go with me to Isaiah 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 6, this is a familiar passage of scripture. If you were with us in the winter retreat, we preached on a different subject than we'll cover today. But this is the most classic passage of scripture on the topic I want to talk about. I want us us you to notice what he says in verse 3 of Isaiah 6. Speaking of these created beings of God, speaking of these cherubim and the seraphim, these angels of God. In Isaiah's vision here, he sees the Lord. And notice what he says in verse 3. And one, speaking of the angels, cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Look at it again. We'll read it again just to get it in our hearts and minds what God says here. And one cried unto another. And said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of His glory. I want us to think about this subject today. We're continuing our series on the study of God. And this is the subject that is quite often neglected today. Pastors don't like to talk about it. Churches don't like to talk about it. Christians don't like to talk about it. And really not many people at all like to mention this subject because it is a very convicting subject. It is a very serious subject. It has much to do with us stopping what we're doing and thinking really about who God is. Because much of today is what we really think about who God is and it's not really lined up with the Bible. You see, we must line up our thinking about what we think or who we think God is with what the Bible actually says that God is like. And here's the three words. Notice he says, holy, holy, holy. He says the same three words. He says it three times. He repeats it. Now, if you're studying the Bible, you know if God says something once, He means it. If He repeats it, He is emphasizing it. But here He says it three times. Holy, holy, holy. What is going on here? I want to tell you what is going on. There is one man named Isaiah and he is recognizing the holiness of God. What is holiness? We may think holiness is somebody who dresses really nice when they come to church. That's not holiness. Somebody might think, well, holiness is having a good Christian family. Did you know you can have a nice, good Christian family and teach them lots of Christian things and be the most unholy person in this room? Some people think holiness is not doing wrong, but always doing right. Well, that may be part of it. But that's not full holiness. When we talk about the holiness of God, it's totally different. I want you to hold your place here and let's go with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. And I want to show you the definition of the word holiness. And it's so important to understand what this is. Hebrews chapter 7. Now Hebrews is talking about the sacrifices of God. And how the Old Testament sacrifices didn't pay for our sins, but only Christ could pay for our sins. And he says here in verse 22 of Hebrews 7, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth forever hath an unchangeable priesthood. Now remember when you're studying this, a priesthood is not priest in churches like we have today. This is the priest, the high priest, Aaron especially, was the first high priest. You have Aaron who offered for the sins of the people once a year for Israel. Now he's talking about the Jewish religion. He's talking about what the Jews did to worship. And he is saying Jesus is a surety of a better testament. He has an unchangeable priesthood. Aaron was just a man. He changed. Jesus is unchangeable. And he says in verse 25, Wherefore, speaking of Jesus, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for us. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, And higher than the heavens. Very clear, isn't it? 
Verse 26 tells us the definition of holy. It says Jesus was the high priest, the great high priest. And this great high priest, the Lord Jesus, it says such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless. He never harmed anyone. Everything he does is harmless. He's undefiled. He's never even thought about sinning one time. Have you ever heard this? Somebody may have once said about Jesus. Well, you know, Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4. He was tempted to sin and he even considered sinning. No, he did not. The Bible says he is holy. He is harmless. He is separate from sinners. You remember Satan came to Jesus and he said, if you take these stones, we know you've been fasting, Jesus. If you take these stones and turn them into bread, you can satisfy your own hunger. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Later on, Satan came to him with another temptation. He came to him with three, three great temptations. And at the end, the Bible says that Jesus said, it is written, it is written, It is written, and Satan left him, and the angels came and ministered unto him. Jesus never gave in to temptation, not one time. There's not one time where he even wanted to sin. Jesus is separate from this. He is separate from sinners and higher than the heavens. Now, let me ask you a question, a simple question. Have you ever wanted to sin? Now, if you say no, you're the biggest liar in this room. I want to say that I want to sin too many times. Now, as a Christian, I don't want to sin because Christ lives in me and I want to please God. But since I've been born, there have been too many times where I wanted to do the wrong thing. How about you? But God's not like that. When we think about God and His holiness, I want us to think God is not another one of the same kind. When we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, we think, well, Jesus came here in the body. He came down to this earth. He humbled Himself. And became a man without ceasing to be God. Well, when he came a man, he was just like us. I want you to know he was not just like us. Yes, he was in a body like us, but he was separate from sinners. He ate with sinners, and they criticized him for eating with sinners. They said, this is a wine-bibber. Jesus ate with those sinners, and yet he was not corrupted by their sin. He was separate from sinners. Jesus never sinned one time. Many people would say about the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, we know that Jesus had a problem with anger because he went into the temple and he overthrew the money changers. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I ask you, if you are God and you write the very law, if someone breaks it, don't you have a right to punish? If you're God, he is separate from sinners. Jesus Christ is God. And notice what the Bible says in Hebrews 7, verse 26, and made higher than the heavens. You say, how did that happen? Well, I want you to know 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, he was buried. And three days later, he arose and he ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God and he ever lives to make intercession for us and he is higher than the heavens. He is holy. He's higher than the angels. He's higher than man. He's higher than the greatest Christian who ever lived. Our God is higher than this. But not only is He higher than this, He's another of the different kind. He is different, totally different than us. He is a cut apart. Now go back to Isaiah chapter 6 and we'll see what God says about Isaiah and the holiness of God. Isaiah 6 
And verse 1 tells us, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. I want you to notice the first thing. When we see the holiness of God, that He is separate from us as sinners. He is separate from sin. He is higher than the heavens. He is harmless. When we see our risen Lord who has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave once and for all, and He is not corrupted by evil thoughts like this world is, we will see the sin of mankind, the sin of mankind. Here's what Isaiah did. Isaiah was a preacher. He was a prophet. And he preached against the sin of the nation. And he told them about the sin of that nation. And then he saw God for who God was, holy. Not just holy once, holy, holy, holy. God the Father is holy. God the Son is holy, and God the Holy Spirit is holy. And Isaiah, he was talking about and comparing himself with other people and how he was more holy than they were. But when he saw God for who he was in Isaiah 6, he said, Woe is me. He didn't talk about his neighbor across the street who was unholy. He talked about himself and he said, I am unholy. I am undone. I'm the one who has sinned against God. And let me make an application. We know Isaiah was a... A believer, and we know that there is a remnant here in Israel who are believers. But I want to make an application to you and me today that before a person ever comes to know Christ as their personal Savior, you must see God for who He is, or you will not be saved. Because when you see God for who He is, He'll reveal to you how sinful you and I really are. The sin of mankind. And Isaiah saw God for who he was and he said, Woe is me for I am undone. What kind of sin did Israel have? Let's go back to chapter 1 and I want to show you all the sin in Israel. And let's make a comparison for a moment. Isaiah chapter 1. Notice the Bible says, He's preaching to this nation, telling them all the bad things in their life. Now, God's giving him the words in Isaiah 1, verse 3, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. First of all, he talked about rebellion. Do you have rebellion in your heart today? Verse 3, the ox knoweth his owner and his ass, the master's crib, but my people doth not know, my people doth not consider. Do you consider the holiness of God today? Ah, sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, a seed of evil doers, children that are corruptors. Are you corrupted today? They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backwards. Are you living a backward life to God? Maybe you're a Christian here today and you know what the Bible says about living a holy Christian life and you're living backward to God. God is going to judge you. Not because I said it, but because of His Word here. Verse 5. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt the more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. You ever seen someone who's very sick? Their whole head is sick and their whole heart is faint. 
They have heart problems and they have head problems. Notice what he says in verse 6. From the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. This is a word picture. He is saying, imagine a human body and somehow their whole head is sick and their heart is in a bad case. And if you go to the soles of their feet and you look at their feet, they're horrible. There's no soundness in it. In the whole body, from the sole of the foot to the top of the head, there are wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. And it gives the picture of someone with a disease in their body and it's eating their body alive. And he is saying, Israel, you're in sin against this holy one of Israel. Notice at the end of verse 6, they have not been closed, talking about the sores, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. You haven't even put any antiseptic. You haven't put any, any medicine on your sores. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage and a vineyard and as a lodge and a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. He said Israel's like a besieged city. They sinned against God and now the devil has surrounded them. All these nations have surrounded them. Notice verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. That means a very small group of interested believers. That we should have been like Sodom and we should have been like Gomorrah. He said we would have been like the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, that sexual immorality. We would have been like that. And we would have been like that nation that God judged and burned them up with fire. Had God not left a few people who still wanted to serve God. Notice verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at, the, at your hand to tread my court? Make no more vain ablations. You know what that is? Vain ablations is offering something that is vain unto the Lord. Have you ever said praise the Lord? Or if you ever said, if you ever prayed and thanked God for your food or something and your heart wasn't right with God and you knew it? That's a vain ablation. A vain ablation. Offering things to God with the wrong heart, it is vain. To praise God even in church but to not have a right heart, not by even cursing or swearing, but not taking His name in vain overtly, but even by praising God and your heart is not right as a Christian. God said that's vain ablations. Notice what He says here. He says in verse uh, 14, Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. See, he's separating himself. He is holy. He's separating himself from a sinful people. Yea, when ye make your many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Some people think God always hears people's prayers. You're wrong. God says, when you make your many prayers, I'm not going to hear at all. That may be new news for you, but God says there is the sin of mankind and when we see the holiness of God for who He is, that He is high, holy, and separate from sinners, God says we'll see the sinfulness of mankind. And Isaiah is sure preaching, isn't he? He's preaching a hard message. And most people don't like hard messages. 
And we'll continue on. We're going somewhere. Stay with me. He says in verse 15, And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. He said, when you come to worship and you spread forth your hands like this, or you spread forth your hands like this, he said, I'm going to turn. Yea, when you make your many prayers, when you call out to me and say, oh God, help me. I grew up in a different culture. I grew up in a southern culture in the U.S., and it's very different. And we had something that they called the altar call, and they would play music at the end of the service like we do here, but they would have anybody that the Lord worked in their heart. And I'm not trying to make light of that, but there were a lot of times that the same people went to the altar every single week. And they'd go back every week, and they would live the exact same way they lived the week before. And they thought they'd come down to the altar and say a little prayer and get it all worked out. And guess what? God never heard it. When you make your many prayers, I will not hear. He says, your hands are full of blood. Verse 16, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And God says here, there is the sin of the people. And he goes on and on and on. Chapters 1, he talks about this. Chapters 2, he talks about it. 3, 4, and 5. Now, if you'll notice chapter 4, in verse 4, he says, When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, in chapter 4 and verse 4, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof with a spirit of judgment, By the spirit of burning, he said, I am tired of the filth in Jerusalem. And God looks at our nation and God looks at the world and he sees all the filth in this world. And Isaiah says that God is going to judge it by the spirit of burning. And then we get to chapter 6. And it was the same year that King Uzziah died. Something bad happened. The king died. And this earthly king, King Uzziah, had passed away. And it was that very year, the Bible says, if you'll notice in verse 1, in the the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. You know, he didn't see all those wicked people out there in Israel doing all those wicked things. Now, he should have preached against them. And the Bible puts it in the Bible there. God puts it in the Bible. But I want you to know that after a while of Isaiah preaching to all the sin of the people, God starts revealing the sin in himself. And he sees God for who he is. And he realizes this. Woe is me. You know what woe is? That's judgment. He's saying, God judge me. God judge me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Did you know when you study the glory of God, you'll find out that the glory of God is when we see the goodness of God. In the book of Exodus, it tells us that. And really what he's saying here is holy, holy, holy. God is separate from sinners. God is separate from sinners. He is separate from sinners. He is the Lord of hosts. This has the idea of going to military battle. He is the Lord of all the armies in heaven. And then he says the whole earth is full of his glory. That means the whole earth is full of the goodness of God. Everywhere you turn is the goodness of God. And you know why the reason why many people won't see their sinfulness? Because they never saw the goodness of God. The sinfulness of mankind. Sin is anything I do, say, or think that breaks God's law. So 
Have you ever committed anything in that list Isaiah talked about? Have you ever broken God's law? Have you ever sinned against God? If you have, God says you need to realize your sinfulness. But I want you to know you'll never realize that until you see God holy, holy, holy. Here's the next thing we see, not only the sinfulness of man. We see the separateness of the king, the separateness of the king. Notice what the Bible says in verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Notice the two words, the King. And I want you to go back to Isaiah 6 and verse 1, and it says, In the year that King Uzziah died. I think it's very interesting. In Isaiah 6, in verse 5, it says, Mine eyes have seen the king. In Isaiah 6, in verse 1, though, it says, In the year that king Uzziah died. You say, what's the difference between that king and the king? I want to tell you there's a world of difference between the world that has kings and the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know something that if... A king walked in here. Many of you, we, we talk about the Queen of England. That's a great illustration. If the queen were to walk in here today and we knew she was coming, wouldn't you wear your best? If we knew she was coming, maybe we would decorate the sanctuary a little bit more. If we knew she was coming, maybe we would provide and make sure everything was clear so that the entrance into the church building would be okay. And if the queen was entering, maybe we would hire someone to open the doors and make a a big performance of it so that we can have a ceremony because we know that the queen is here. And maybe if we had a special presentation to give her, we would all be quiet. We would not make any racket. We would not be joking or laughing in her presence. You know why? Because she's the queen. And when the queen is in the room and when the queen arrives... All eyes are on the queen. And when the queen has something to say, everyone stops and listens to the queen. I want you to know as good as the queen of England is, she's no match for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. And the queen of England, as nice as she may be and as many things as she may uphold, the Bible says, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. But I want you to know somebody greater than the queen comes in here every week. And some of us just drive in the parking lot. We're talking about anything and everything. Arguing with family and friends. We walk in the door and come into the church. We barely make it here and wipe our head and go, I'm glad we made it today to church. When the queen is here, the king is here. The king of kings and lord of lords is here. And he wants to work in our hearts. And God is desiring to work in your hearts. And I know he's working right now. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to show you, if you're a lost person today, he's trying to show you the sinfulness of all mankind, but specifically that you and I are sinners. And you're going to have to ask yourself, in light of who God is, am I a sinner? And if your answer to that question is yes then you have to see also that God is separated from you. The Bible says here, 
Mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was disturbed about King Uzziah dying, but I tell you he was more disturbed about his own sin when he saw the separateness of the king. He saw him for who he was. I want you to notice what the Bible says here. In verse 6, it says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And you see what Isaiah saw here. What did he see? First of all, he saw the sinfulness of mankind. The second thing he saw is the separateness of the king. He's the only king. He's the only way of salvation. And we must bow before him. What was the last thing? We see the sending of God Almighty. The sending of God Almighty. Notice what he says in verse 8. He says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Notice the word send. Now I want you to hold your place here. And I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And I want you to see another place where the Bible talks about sending. The sending of the king. Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. The Bible says here, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now notice verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. God says here in verse 17, if you'll notice that, He says, So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, the sending of God. God says, first of all, we must see the sinfulness of mankind. I am a sinner in great need of a Savior. Once we know Christ as our Savior, once we know Him, every single day we need to see Him in His holiness. And we see we're inadequate in and of ourselves to do anything. And we see the King. He's the only way of salvation. There is no other way of salvation. God says in Acts 4, 12, For there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. You must be saved by the name of Christ. And Christ says, call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. And then he says, 
But I also have a purpose for you. You know why I came and saved you? Here's why I came and saved you. If you're saved here today, here's why I came to save you, God says. So I can send you. So I can send you. He said, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Notice that little word also. The call is going out and he says, Whom shall I send? 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 It's going out all the time. Are you ready to receive the call? God says, How shall they preach except they be sent? Did you know that's not talking about the pastor? That's talking about Christians. That was written to Roman Christians who attended a local church just like you or me. They weren't called to pastor a church or to be evangelist or a missionary. And the Bible says here he saw the holiness of God. He saw the fact that the king was separate from sin and he needed to be rightly related to that king. And once he did, God says, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. As soon as he got in the position that he ought to and he got in line with the holiness of God, at that very moment, he had been missing the call all along. But at the very moment, he got in line with God spiritually. He heard something. The call had been going out before, but his ears had been stopped up by his sin. His eyes had been corrupted by his sin. He couldn't see it. He couldn't hear it, but he heard something. It may be a little faint at first, but it got clearer and clearer because he saw the holiness of God. And as soon as he saw the holiness of God, he heard the voice of God. And the voice of God said this, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then notice what he says. Then said I, here am I, send me. Let me ask you a simple question. Do you think that there could be somebody who trusts Jesus as their personal Savior? They know Christ as their personal Savior. And they're willing to listen to God and they're in line, if they are in line with the holiness of God. Has there ever been somebody who knows Christ as their personal Savior who's ever been in line with the holiness of God as they ought to be in their life and not do what verse 8 says as a result? He says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he said, here am I, send me. Did you know... Here's the truth. The truth is this. The truth is, as soon as he got in line with the holiness of God, he did everything he was supposed to do as a Christian. And you know what? You'll never do anything holy in your life until you first get in line with the holiness of God. And then you will do what is holy. You say, what is holy? Living for God, loving God, seeing God for who he is. And once you see him for who he is, you know what you'll do? You'll be so grateful. You'll see all the people in the world that we may criticize, that we may preach against, and we may preach sermons, and rightfully so. Isaiah was right in preaching those sermons. We may preach sermons about the sin of the age, and we should, and we should take a stand as a church. But I want to tell you, as soon as Christ changes your life, and as soon as He works in your life in a great way, and you personally see, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O Lord. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. 
You start hearing a voice, not an audible voice. You start hearing a voice. You know where it's crying from? It's crying from here. The voice is crying out. Can you hear it? Can you hear the voice crying? It's crying from the Bible right now. Let me, let me tear up the carpet. Let me tear up the carpet right now and tear it on the floor. You say, what are you talking about? You tear up the carpet and tear up the floor. Tear it all the way down and dig a hole as far as you can go. And put your ear down to the floor. And hear the screams of people dying and burning in hell for all of eternity. And you tell me you're not called and sent by God. God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And there are people here today, you're not saved. God loves you. He cares for you. And I'm not preaching this because I am mad or angry. I'm preaching it because I believe God's wanting to stir you. I believe God wants to use you. God wants to work. Are you saved? Are you sent? Let's pray. Our Lord.